Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center is the Bad Batch Report. <laughs> I was waiting to see if there would be music, but instead we were treated to a lovely uh, baby dragon cry. <laughs> a hungry baby dragon cry. 
A hungry baby dragon. Uh, that describes, I think, both of us today, probably as we record on this Friday morning. We are a hungry baby dragon. So let's have a fun discussion of Bad Batch and then eat some uh, capacitors. Uh, I am Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person who excellently portrayed the hungry baby dragon is Ken Napsok. Yes, I am indeed. I love when a good animal munches on metal in Star Wars. <laughs> There's a lot of good quality metal munching. If you like metal munching, this was the episode for you. Uh, let's get right into it. We've really been enjoying Bad Batch. It seems so far that the uh, Star Wars community that I'm seeing on social media is really enjoying Bad Batch. So that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about the third episode entitled Replacements. Uh, it is written by Matt Michenovitz. Uh, and directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. Uh, more uh, practice for me saying the name of the director because that is somebody who directed a lot of Clone Wars episodes, so I've said that name a lot. 27-minute uh, episode, that seems to be the standard, kind of about half-hour-ish. Yeah. Um, Ken, any any thoughts so far? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I have some stuff. I, well, I, 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 I was relieved because I, I did the stay up to midnight thing and got up early whereas last week i was like you know what maybe i don't need to stay up to midnight maybe i'll watch both episodes right before we review it and i stayed up to midnight and then i saw the 27 minutes and i went ah oh, that's a comforting length i can get to bed on time <laughs> i'm so glad uh, to, to add our bed report to our bad batch mm -hmm. report yes uh i once again took an 11:30 nap on the couch and then like <laughs> startled awake uh my internal clock that it's uh, late night Thursday into Friday, it must be time to watch some Star Wars. Yeah. Just uh, magically woke up at 12.02 uh, with a start and watched this great episode and then watch it again in the morning with yeah. the subtitles, which in some ways is my favorite viewing experience. Uh, let's talk about our overall reactions. Did you love this episode, like it, struggle with it? What were your big picture thoughts? Oh, man, I, I really like this one. And it's interesting because I'm really enjoying the the serialized nature of the Bad Batch versus, as we talked in the past, Clone Wars is so big and sprawling and it's more about arcs versus every episode connecting and, and this is a different experience so on one hand I, I got a little bit of that you know i don't i don't use or believe in that word filler but i i've got that like oh i can't wait till they get to something big right i can't wait to build and build and build but i really loved living in this episode it was it was the dark tones with powerful uh with purpose to the darkness and then powerful powerful uh sentimentality uh it, it was episode about kind of life and death a uh, little bit of yin yang uh seeing two squads deal with uh how just how they deal with what's going on in two different ways and i was kind of affected by the end i think as i've seen uh even our force center discord that end really was sweet uh but powerful uh that term powerful is going to come up a lot because like wrecker um really effective episode i really love love this one yeah i'm i'm i like the way you're focusing on the uh the yin yang and that's great to hear that that uh fans in our discord are already talking about that end because that end is is pretty powerful to me because it is uh kind of just uh making the promise of the that star wars phrase you know powerful light powerful dark mm -hmm. <laughs> uh and kind of demonstrating the idea of balance because sometimes uh, moments like that of, oh, hey, the the gruff war-torn soldiers uh, made a nice home for the kid. That's something especially like uh, for people our age, Ken, mm -hmm. like who grew up with a lot of television that was a little bit safer and a little bit more like, let's be wholesome all the time. We can sometimes push back against that. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel at all saccharine because it is the balance to the horror in the rest of this episode, right? 
Uh, absolutely well said. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those moments, but those are some of the um, some of the moments of Crosshair where were some of the the best I've seen in Star Wars for being pretty damn serious. Um, and that made this more powerful. And it starts funny. And we, we've already seen kind of Wrecker and o- Omega kind of having this fun, almost brother, older brother, younger sister relationship where Hunter's maybe more the father or whatever you, you might want to say. And it started like, oh, yeah, he built a nice thing. And it it just was really well directed, well shot, well, everything about it. I mean, it seemed live action in its uh, in its way, and and, and it, which speaks to the power of, of, of Star Wars animation, by the way. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. It just built it all up so well. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like this episode. I've been enjoying all of them. Um, I felt like the the previous episode was Bad Batch sort of acknowledging the absolute need for a new normal, uh, with Hunter in particular getting that advice uh, from Cut Laquane that, well, if you want to make it in this new reality, you have to be willing to change. And that that episode was a little bit of an acceptance of change. So then this is felt like adjusting to it. What does that mean? Mm, uh, yeah. And I think that theme is going to continue. Um, I think it's fascinating to have this sort of continuing story and we'll see how this uh, develops mm. because it feels like there was actually a lot of forward movement. A lot of pieces got put into the place. Totally. But I think sometimes that um, temptation to go like, oh, but but what's going on? How much story did I really get comes from the agency of the the main characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious to see if we're going to get to a point where uh, we're going to have uh, the Bad Batch themselves, Hunter and crew, you know, really go, all right, here's our mission. Here's what we're choosing to do next right mm-hmm. now. Because right now they're still scrambling. And they're just trying to, you know, get rid of problems. <laughs> the immediate yeah. problem rather than having like a, all right, now we've made a choice. Here's where we're going. Yeah, I mean, their their storyline was a Effectively, like a, a classic bottle episode for me. Stranded, got to get out and figure it out. And and I, I can't wait till they're really out into the galaxy. But at the same time, I, I can wait. I'm I'm really enjoying the slow burn here. Um, and and, and I, I'm right there with you on on uh, what you're talking about there with them them taking getting their mission, getting their purpose. Yeah, and I think what I liked about this episode is it really put a lot of cards on the table as possibilities for what that big picture is going to be. This episode did not feel like oh. Uh, they're just going to run into kind of problems for a while. It uh-huh. felt like this is, there's a real big picture uh, possibilities for what their mission is, right? Uh, it feels like justice for Crosshair, going back for Crosshair is a real possibility. Uh, it feels like the threat of yeah. one of them or all of them being captured and taken back to Camino is a real threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like the truth of the inhibitor chips is a mission that they might go on. Uh the future of kind of the rest of the clones seems like that's going to be a backbone of the season. So I felt like this episode told a nice, simple story, a, a kind of a bottle uh, episode, as you're saying, for the actual Bad Batch. Yeah. A simple story, but it laid out lots of different, uh, very uh, high agency things that could be happening mm-hmm. to move the big picture season, the big picture story forward. Yeah. Um, so I like that it was a simple story with a lot of complex ideas about change in particular and possibilities of where that might go I, in the future. I love I love what you're saying here because that, you know, we love our big themes here in Forza. We love digging in that. We love good plot. We love good just, oh, my gosh, that what's going to happen next? And I, you're right. The, the tech 
with the building the scanner. Wrecker with his head hurting. Lama Sue, uh, I I don't know which way he's going. Am I rooting for him, or is he just a shrewd businessman that wants to stay get, keep his contract? I don't know. And and you're it's right. Literally, it's like a a, a game of solitaire. All the cards are in front. I just <laughs> find the right one to put down. And that that in itself is very fun and, and makes a serialized uh, uh, version of that Clone Wars we're so used to. This is a different kind of um, way to, to just deal out the story. I love it. Love that you said that. Yeah. And all of the different kind of plot threads uh, that were potentially laid out in this uh, great game of solitaire uh, <laughs> are, they all fit under the big umbrella of who were the clones, who are the clones going to be mm-hmm. and really a continuation of the Clone Wars uh, giving individuality and agency and purpose to the clones that that story is really continuing because all of these things are about what it means to be a clone oh yeah absolutely and 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 just that whole of you know you go through all of the the war to find yourself and now you already got people going oh clones (laughs) what a problem last kind of big picture thing uh for me that i wanted to highlight is uh there's some great clone wars continuation in that the clone wars animated series pulled from lots of different uh, genres of adventure serial and pop culture, but this really drew, like Clone Wars often did, from, I would say, just straight-up horror movie vibes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Echo's search for the uh, the Ordo Moon Dragon, mm-hmm. uh, when it initially was appearing, was just kind of classic horror movie stuff. Uh, Omega in the Tunnels, um, the horror of the Imperial attack on, on Onderon, mm-hmm. all of it had some good horror movie vibes to me. Yeah, I mean, really, the Onderon one, I didn't really think about that. It's the old monster in the woods where you're packing up your campsite. I mean, it, and I, I don't mean that totally whimsical because it's so dark, but yeah, I like that. Yeah, and, and even Omega, Omega's sitting in the in the cockpit and you're like, this is going to be a Leia Minoc callback, <laughs> and it still gave me a little jump, so good stuff. It still worked, yeah, and the way they were cut uh, together to compare and contrast was great. Yeah. And I, I also just think that... Um, we have often noted, as many fans have, that while Clone Wars is absolutely for 12-year-olds of all age, it, it gives you a literal moral at the beginning. If you're a younger person watching it and trying to figure out life, it gives you some ideas of how to handle life. And then it brutally slaughters people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Rebels, I think, had a, a softer touch mm-hmm. on the violence. Uh, and... Uh, this seems to be that Bad Batch is roaring back to go, yeah, no. <laughs> There's going to be death and darkness again. Yeah. No, and, and effectively, you know, I'm not I'm not rooting for a bunch of uh, dark, gritty violence in Star Wars, but it, in, in telling that moral fable, it, it, when it's used right, it, it, can, it can really affect you, and this one did. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like it is very much a an effective decision to yeah. not back off on the truth of the horror of the Empire, mm-hmm. but then to balance that out by showing us the humanity and kindness and growth of the Bad Batch. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get into uh, big themes. What ideas did you feel were at stake in this episode, Ken? So I, I'm going to lay down my cards on this solitaire game, but it's double solitaire. Um, I like playing solitaire with you. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, and 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 then maybe we can kind of see where, where you want to go here, because I also think this episode introduces a big theme that we're not yet dealing with yet. But like you said, we're li- it's, it's also plot. Hey, what's coming? And themes. Hey, this is coming. Um, I, I looked I looked at uh, compassion and understanding and that showed up a lot for me. 
uh, and understanding those you're showing compassion to more than just being compassionate and, and, and uh, that kind of stuff. Acceptance, would you, you, you kind of talked about last week was the talk of the change and this is the change uh, and also belonging here. And that to me was a little bit of um, Omega, not versus Crosshair, but the Omega on one side and Crosshair on the other of, of both of them kind of uh, dealing with belonging or not belonging. Um, and then there's putting faith in others versus forcing their will into alignment. We can talk about that big one. And then, and then the final one, Joseph, and then we can dive into where you want to go here. It is, I really think this is introducing the big question of forgiveness with the crosshair stuff. I love the exchange with, uh, well, you know, you can't blame crosshair and then, and Wrecker's kind of like, well, so, so he, he didn't do it. And then tech just goes, (laughs) well, and Hunter's like, we can't debate this now. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, let's put a pin in that because I think that's one of the big things that was uh, that was going on in this episode that that felt like it was being set up for. This is a concern of the larger story of yeah. wrestling with the reality of the clones. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. First, I want to go to go back to something uh, that you said earlier. Mm. I, I think for me, this episode really locked into place and locked into my heart uh, toward the end. Uh, when we got to see that compare and contrast of uh, of Crosshair and Omega both at uh, home, you know, yeah, um, I, I think the the episode was dealing really fair with its themes by by putting one of the main ones in the title. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this idea of of replacements, you know, um, that this is an era of change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that suddenly the Clone Wars is over. The Republic has become the Empire, and it it's making you feel like everybody in the galaxy has to face uh, change and possibly being replaced or displaced or figuring out kind of what their new home is. Yeah. And I loved how much, uh, within all the other themes, that was just extremely literally what everybody was dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the rest of the Bad Batch was wrestling with, okay, uh, Omega is our responsibility, and... She really wants to be a part of the squad. Uh, not just she's under our care and we have to protect her. She wants to be a part of the family unit and she wants to be a part of like the squad of her operations of going on missions. Uh, Bad Batch is also wrestling with the the loss of, of Crosshair. And, you know, this idea that the title invites you like Omega isn't a replacement for Crosshair. <laughs> right. uh, but is that how Bad Batch is, is feeling, you know, that her presence is making them aware that Crosshair isn't there. Um, and you get that great contact, contrast where Crosshair uh, is getting these sort of new Stormtrooper squad members, and that is not as happy or flowing as the yeah. addition of Omega to Bad Batch. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the establishment of what appears to be kind of the new uh, big bad uh, for the Bad Batch, because I would say Tarkin is uh, a, a bigger bad, right. uh, but specifically to be the enemy of the Bad Batch, uh, Vice Admiral Rampart, in his push to replace the clones with stormtroopers. So there's all this literal replacement going on. Yeah. But then I feel like the real emotional heart of that is about uh, all of these ideas of home. Mm-hmm. And that's to me where all these other great ideas that that you talked about start to pop out about... Um, uh, uh, empathy and, uh, you know, really truly caring about others and, and making choices based on compassion. Um, those images toward the end where Crosshair seems depressed to be back in the barracks and the, the signs of life are, are there, but there's no life there or almost like 
the music notes are there, but there's no song, you know? Totally. Uh, to see everything that got established of like, wow, the Bad Batch in the pilot, the Bad Batch is vital. And the, those marks on the wall mean something. It, that's a point of pride. They went out and had a mission that they believed in and they accomplished it. Right. And, you know, Crosshair is not uh, marking anything on the door now yeah in direct contrast to omega's new room which is you know just it looks like an indie bookstore right it's <laughs> <laughs> it's got the nice curtains and the lights and uh, the lula the tuca doll right yeah it's just so all the warmth that was in the barracks on camino is now on that ship transferred over yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I I felt that Omega was, you know, already part of the squad in the way that we, we addressed last week. But this was the episode symbolized the true acceptance of it and the true um, the valuing her worth and, and her kind of uh, getting that boost of confidence uh, it, just on a simple level um, and the way she approached and just kind of, and because she's this character that's kind of like, well, no, that was the mission, right? Like I did the mission. I didn't question it. I'm here. I belong here. And it was for them to accept that and for them to put faith in her. That was, that was, was extra powerful for me on that side. And, and the crosshair, the, the crosshair moment was really affecting because we're, we're going to get into the bigger questions of how much is it his fault? How much is the chip just pulling on what, maybe what might be there for him or what he's working through? I don't know those answers yet, but when I saw him sitting there kind of, you know, sulking, it's like, yeah, there's, there's something in there that it, it you know, the, the chip can't clear the chip can't fix uh, there's something about Crosshair who's in there knowing he doesn't belong. Just that sad body language suggested that, yeah, whatever fulfillment he used to fill, mm-hmm. feel when he returned from a mission was not there, right? That there was something lifeless about him. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I like that these themes of kind of home and displacement even went beyond this great uh, compare and contrast of Omega and Crosshair of even the story with the the beast, the Ordo Moon Dragon, which mm-hmm. yet another very clear choice to not murder a beast in the Star Wars tradition. It seems like the creators are really aware of uh, of that uh, concern. Uh, that the Ordo Moon Dragon's uh, story ultimately was like, look, I just I'm just getting some takeout food and I want to go home and eat it. That's my whole deal. You know, yeah. the fact that it was the Ordo Moon Dragon at home, ultimately, that Omega faced yeah. is another reminder of this idea of everybody just wanting a sense of place and and safety in their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the other uh, literal plot thread is what's going on with Saw's people. It's really pointed out to us that a bunch of them are just refugees, yeah. just people displaced from their home looking for a safe place to live. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you don't like intellectually uh, pick all these things apart, the fact that you're seeing images of wanting to be uh, safe and at home, like the Ordo Moon Dragon, and the refugees just trying to find another home, I think those themes or those images, those ideas all being there, give even more power to the comfort of seeing Omega's home at the end of like, yes, this is what we all want is that safety and that comfort. Well, just so well said on this. It's, I don't want to call it the hidden theme. It's all through it, but you know, we're focused, I'm, especially me, I'm focusing on those other things, but it all kind of belonging acceptance all funnel into this idea of home and not to, to sound like a Edward Sharp in the magnetic zero song, but home is wherever <laughs> I'm with you. Um, it, it is just, it's really powerful. I'd love bringing up the dragon and it's home and, and, and Omega, doesn't say it, you know, she, it's not over the, over the top and on the nose, like, Oh, this is your home, but you can tell that's what's going on. You can tell it's similar to Ray 
on Pasana with the big old snake. It's 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 a, a theme and it's big. And, and I'm enjoying that uh, Star Wars right now is uh, being aware of how many animals uh, there are and creatures that we don't want killed. I enjoy <laughs> enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And like, look, a creature is going to kill you. A classic uh, great moment of self-defense. I just like that it is being a little bit more thoughtful about yeah, it. Right. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. And just like it, it was this big, you know, for Omega, this big moment of, uh, can I, should I, it was really just like, oh, I don't need to. Mm-hmm. That's not the solution here. And that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very clear. Very, very well, very well done. Uh, do you want to get into these, these big themes, uh, that you were talking about of, uh, kind of choice versus mindless obedience? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, uh, to me, the little work, I, I approach it from, you know, putting faith in others versus forcing their will. And I'll start with this. It's really interesting. It's like uh, Rampart, uh, uh, named after the controversial LAPD division, I think. Uh, uh, no. Um, <laughs> he, it almost like he listened to Force Center and said, hey, guys, there's some themes of choice, and choice is powerful. <laughs> so I'm going to take that theme and I'm going to apply it to here. Because he starts from like, you know, you hear him, you're like, look, soldiers signing up in their own will is going to be a better a better uh, test of their loyalty than clones who are, who are forced in a way and, and, and then cut jump cut out of order in the episode, jump cut to that uh, one Imperial stormtrooper going, I did. I, I just need a job money and they treat me better than Republic, which is kind of maybe a lie, but um, one that to him is the truth. So I just want to start from there. Cause then it's like, he's twisting it, he's using it. And it's, and it's, we always talk about light and dark and, and Qui-Gon wants us to step towards that light. And this is someone taking the power of choice and really just going, yeah, and then we can enforce our, our will over the galaxy by starting by enforcing our will over these troops. Yeah, I thought there were a lot of themes of this from Rampart uh, making this argument uh, to yeah. the whole clone question about uh, how much is Crosshair responsible for his actions versus the inhibitor uh-huh. chip. Right. And even down to, you know, uh, Omega really gets to show her agency, right? She doesn't just say, let me be a part of the unit. She actively makes a choice to be a part of the unit, and then she actively makes choices in her mission that uh, her choice of not to just uh, shoot <laughs> uh, the Ordo uh, Moondragon in the face, but to realize that there was another way. You know, I like her line, don't worry, I didn't have to use it about Hunter's Blaster. So uh, I, I think Omega supports these themes. We can talk more about Crosshair, but yeah, I did want to dive into the Rampart stuff and the the yep. ongoing clones versus stormtroopers story that is being told by Bad Batch. Cause that was really, really fascinating. It was really fascinating. And a quick note on the Omega one. I love that line because what Omega is just assuming with Hunter and all of them is like, right. We have these, but good thing we don't have to use them all the time. She's like, don't worry. Like, like I, I don't worry. I, I, I did what we were supposed to do. I didn't use it. <laughs> yeah. Which is really great. That that's a great line. And I can't wait to see how we kind of follow up with it. Right. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, yeah, if that was a line, for, I think for us, it, it has a great sort of like just moral resonance of like, I found a better way out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to it of, you know, Omega almost taking responsibility for Hunter's fear <laughs> of her yeah. being in danger. Of like, don't worry, I found, I figured it out. I wasn't in any danger. Yeah. <laughs> I had your blaster. I could have used it. Uh, the, the clones versus the stormtroopers. Man, that was some nice complexity right mm-hmm. and again like taking uh years of fan discussions and going we're finally just gonna tell the story yeah. of clones versus stormtroopers and yeah the sort of cynical argument that rampart is making is 
we, if they choose to join, we can get them to do what we say on without question, right? Yeah. Uh, he says in particular, the loyalty of those who willingly enlist is what I see tremendous value in. And then for me, it's the smash cut to uh, the new uh, Stormtrooper, not use that name. Uh, I believe uh, ES-01 is uh, the name of the trooper. Uh, Smash cut uh, to him saying, uh, forget our orders. This is wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And refusing uh, to just slaughter civilians. And instead say, we'll take them in for questioning. Um, so it's very interesting the way it picks apart Rampart's argument. Uh, Rampart assumes that if people really, I guess, believe the imperial propaganda and right. sign up, that they will just do the bidding of the empire because they see that, of course, the empire yeah. is right. And then first we get that line that you were talking about uh, with the empire. I get paid, I get fed, and I have a roof over my head more than Republic ever did for me, which seems more like, no, I'm making a personal choice to just kind of take care of myself. Yeah. I didn't sign up to do to without question, do horribly immoral things. I think what was interesting about that to me is it's Rampart is making the argument that, you know, if they willingly sign up, they will follow our will. And then we're seeing the truth that if we keep conditioning crosshair and take his agency and his choice away, then we'll be able to get soldiers to do whatever we want. Um, So there's this great contrast for these active characters. But it also, to me, Ken, felt like a really big picture uh, storytelling thing of the the thing that fans have debated forever of uh, how culpable are stormtroopers in the Empire. Mm -hmm. And this felt like showing, like, well stormtroopers with a little bit more moral backbone probably got weeded out really quickly like uh, this guy did. Uh, Yeah, I love the big picture implications of this and what this true transition means because it starts a little bit of a cost-cutting measure, which is still prevalent. And um, (laughs) there's that there. And I I, I said this all... This faith in others and forcing their will thing also flowed into what I'm uh, like uh, the folly of hubris, which we've already been talking about in the show of just uh, the empire was built to be destroyed from the beginning by people like Rampart being like, here's how this works. Here's how th- we're going to get there. We're going to get our way by getting them on on board and taking away, you know, agency and will and whatever. And, and how it's already on shaky ground, which is good, by the way, because we're rooting for them to fall <laughs> Well, is part of their uh, it's it's Tarkin on uh, the Death Star going evacuate now in our moment of triumph. Boom. Uh, that's present from the beginning in this empire built on sand for sure. And, and that that emerged to me, too, in this, these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, the, I, yeah, I thought that was all fascinating. Great stuff. Uh, great potential. Big picture uh, storytelling mm-hmm. uh, for how the stormtroopers evolve, you know, cause there can be a picture of like, what? It's just like, you know, yeah. Random teen from Corellia. But right. if they're being put through processes like people like Rampart are doing, where they absolutely grind any sort of humanity out of you, right. uh, you know, and, and make you think you still have agency and choice, but really right. ultimately you're not cause you're trapped in the machinery. I feel like that's the beginning of the story being told. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and um, the hardening of the heart uh, happens in a lot of different ways over, over different courses of time for in, individuals. And, and that's why you have your, your Bodhi Rooks. We always talk about we love Bodhi because it's like I got to make things right is what Galen told him. And, and 
and that, that hit with him and that hit home. And I, and I love that there. And there was a little moment there when, uh, what's that droid? Uh, is it, uh, AV many numbers. AZ three, I think, <laughs> uh, saying I'm compelled to follow your request, which was just this weird kind of uh, thesis statement on, yeah, I, uh, I have no choice. I have to follow this <laughs> request, which is what many on, uh, on right now, that quote unquote, that side are, are dealing with. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, that's a great uh, yet another place that this idea is is layered in of uh, who's who gets to take responsibility for their actions, as you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the crosshair part of it. Um, yeah. It's a pretty I- explicit opinion from both Tech and Omega that crosshair is not responsible for his actions, that it is the chip basically forcing him to do something, uh, do things that he otherwise would not do. Do you do you trust our narrators there? Do you trust our characters? Do you believe uh, Tech and Omega? I, I, I do to a point, meaning I, I touched on it earlier. I, I have no idea. This is just plot speculation or, or, or theme speculation of this idea of why did his chip kind of quote unquote work versus even before he got you know put under the uh, the tube there. And, and there was some stuff already happening, right? And did that come from Crosshair was always kind of a toothpick and mouth uh, grump, even going back to the Clone Wars season seven stuff. And so is the chip just picking on what's there and we're going to have to, he's going to have to come to terms with maybe what was there and can he grow and can he, can he find redemption from there? I don't know that answer. It's just, a, it's a, it's a, it's a answer we'll, we'll get maybe eventually. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with, he has done this stuff. Uh, and you got record going, yeah, that's right. He did shoot me. Still got to miss him, which is uh, his version. That Wrecker's already kind of in the land of forgiveness where uh, Hunter might not be, but Hunter also needs to forgive him, forgive himself. He says, that's the big problem. I, I left him behind. I can't forgive that. So can he not, does he not feel he can go back to crosshair? I don't know. Kylo and Leia comes to mind of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I, I love it all there. And I don't, I, I, I can't wait to find out more. That's why I loved the, the crosshair in, in the, in the barracks at the end, because it gave me, it gave me hope that, that it, it, it it's going to be something he fights against and can fight against. And then the big old theme of star Wars redemption comes into play, but it's going to be built on forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. This is just total headcanon for me about why maybe Crosshair's inhibitor chip worked a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is obviously, you know, Tech's building some answers for us because he's building Tech to yeah. <laughs> scan their inhibitor chips and find out exactly what's going on and, you know, why theirs didn't work. Um, Omega does seem like she has actual answers and is like, very straightforward of like yes no they're meant to take your agency away and force you to do this it wasn't his choice like she's extremely direct correct correct (laughs) uh but for me if there is like uh okay they're enhanced clones and they have a level of um individuality uh beyond even the all the clones who have agency Mm. um that makes their inhibitor chips not work when when it tries to override Mm. their agency if there's something about crosshair where his specialty his enhanced ability is to be violent from a distance Mm -hmm. there's something just thematically great about that of he is the one who can from a very far distance in a dispassionate way uh, it's just a heat signature you know and i point at it and it falls Mm -hmm. that there's something in that that is his personality that is his uh, agency that made him more susceptible Mm -hmm. to the inhibitor chip working a little bit and I like the way they told that in the pilot that mm. it seemed like it was working on him a little bit. Yeah, uh, just enough. Enough for him to not question it and go like, what? Yeah, it's, a, it's an order. I'm sure there's, I'm sure the Jedi did something. So let's just right. take care of it. Uh, 
you know, it would be a different story if they left it at that. It, mm-hmm. It's a the story that we're dealing with is it half worked, so put him in a machine and make it fully work and right. keep putting him back in that machine. It's much more of a, a Winter Soldier from MCU story of mm-hmm. he had a little bit of proclivity to follow these orders and a little bit of a proclivity to just say good soldiers follow orders period and but now we're gonna make him believe that i love what you just said love everything you said there but i love how you focused on um the the um, you know the violence from afar and and seeing it through the scope just seeing the infrared because what was so effective for the execution of of the refugees saw was trying to get out of there is the last look on their faces. It's something we don't see maybe a ton in Star Wars, which does have its fair share of violence, PG, PG PG-13, that it might be at times. Um, I I personally was affected by upfront and and personal seeing it, and that's why that um, trooper... You know, has the 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 uh, you know makes some uh, the the what I would say is the correct moral decision to be like we're we're not we're soldiers not executioners, um, and it was so up in our faces. And I love that you talked about Crosshair is so used to it from a distance. That's important. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, and maybe it opened him to it a little bit. But now that he yeah. they are in his mind, taking away his agency, taking away his yeah. choice, and forcing him to do this, then he. You know, there's no problem being up close, personal, uh, just follow orders. But then when he goes back to the barracks, you can definitely see something is something's missing. Something's not right. Yeah, he doesn't belong here. It's not even. Yeah, it's not even about good job, good mission. Just like something's not right. And this ain't my home. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you while we were talking about, uh, you know, choice and and forgiveness and all all those things uh, and where we're going with the inhibitor chips. Did you feel like in this episode that Wrecker's head injury was just to keep him on the ship so he couldn't go <laughs> uh, punch out the Ordo Moon Dragon, or did you feel like this was Wrecker's chip is going to go off? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll do a little column A, a little column B because uh, I I think it, it it was very effective. Um, I love when Omega calls for help and 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 no one even answers, right? It, so it's all her. So that was powerful. But yeah, I have uh, there was a bit of that tension, and then now that tension will remain of. Something's just going to happen. I don't even know that he's suddenly going to become, you know, uh, I zombie, I will kill you now. Like, I I almost like it's going to go off, explode, cause internal. Like, I had that kind of tension uh, that was carrying. So I think that'll carry forward. Yeah. It it felt like it was underlined too much to not carry forward in some way. Yeah, totally. But, 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 but like any good writing, effective for this episode in that way. Yeah. And I think tying that beat to the fact that that tech is making a device to check on their own inhibitor chips and see exactly what the deal is. And I I loved how scientific that was of, Oh yeah, I'm, I know that's what it is, but I'm going to make a a device to check Mm -hmm. because I am all about, uh, you know, science and data and facts. Yeah, exactly. It was very, very cool. Uh, one last thing that I wanted to talk about uh, to follow up on something that you said is I love this idea of forgiveness Mm -hmm. because from Omega's perspective that she's sharing and maybe tech science will back this up. They don't feel like crosshair needs to be forgiven. It wasn't his choice. Right. Right. And Hunter, I love that he turns it onto himself of like, I need to forgive myself uh, for leaving him behind. Yeah. But if the, if the question becomes or the story becomes, we, the bad batch think this was not our family member crosshair's fault. We're going to go get him. We're going to go save him. We're going to give him his agency back. 
is there going to be a point at which they question everything they've done mm. in the Clone Wars and they all question whether or not they are culpable for things they've done and whether or not they kind of have to forgive themselves for following the orders of the Republic? Yeah, that's a great question because this this Star Wars redemption, it, it goes to the... I know barroom conversations about Vader, you know, yeah, he, he, the point of the, of that morality tale was his redemption, but he still did all that stuff. It's a, it's a big question. Perhaps maybe we all face at, at what point um, do you truly earn that redemption and, and what, what is true forgiveness? I, I don't know. That's a big, it's a big question. Cause it ties into maybe the Republic stuff and the view of what the Republic became and how much was it the Republic's fault, especially when there's a shadowy man at the center of it all. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that, and that's why I'm excited. It really felt like this. Uh, we're going to dangle this in front of you. It's a big question. It's a big emotional question. It's a big plotty question. Uh, we're going to deal with forgiveness. Yeah. 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 Anyway, okay. uh, I was going to say some other things, but I'm going to save them for uh, later as the story reveals itself. <laughs> uh, do you want to move on to how the this uh, episode reflected bigger story, morality, perspective of Star Wars? Yeah, but a perfect transition point for me. I was, I was going to bring up compassion and understanding again, which was kind of an undercurrent theme for me, but it, it, it ties into the bigger kind of morality and perspective of Star Wars of just the simple stuff of seeking different solutions, but seeing beyond yourself. I, I've mentioned Wrecker as like one of my favorites, and it's because I'm Wrecker at times. I, I'm generally good-hearted, but I always – like my father before me battle my gut reaction of just thinking of my own story first, not even of myself first, but I'm hungry. You're offering me food. Thanks. And it's it, sometimes I need someone to go, but that person's hungry too. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Totally. Didn't think about that. And and that, that is about uh, not just compassion. It's just understanding of the, of, of the entire situation and the people in front of you. And therefore you can find a, a better solution to move forward. Uh, and, and Omega kind of uses all that in, in, in the end with the, the dragon, uh, understands the dragon, under, understands where they're coming from, their home, and they're hungry. And they're just sleeping, by the way. We just keep chasing them and <laughs> use compassion to solve the, the problem and save Hunter, by the way. On the other side, you got Rampart and Tarkin because uh, you got an Imperial that shows compassion. He's shot in the chest and Rampart and Tarkin's like, hey, looks like you lost one of your guys. And Rampart's like, yeah, yeah, things are good. Just no compassion, <laughs> cold, icy, no understanding. And there's the two sides. And that's kind of big Star Wars stuff for me. Yeah, no, that is absolutely great. Uh, I, I would say that's, you know, uh, selfless versus selfish, right? Of, mm -hmm. um, Yeah, like as soon as it's pointed out to Wrecker that you are being selfish, like, oh, right, my bad. Take the ration bar. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. she doesn't even have a bed. Right. I'll work on that uh, <laughs> compared to eh, one of them died. Who cares? Yeah. That's what they're for. Yeah, really, really good point. Um, I think for me, the big thing is just this idea of change. And I think this is going to come up a, a lot. You know, yeah. this goes back to in terms of Star Wars uh, themes goes, you know, back to Shmi telling Anakin, you can't uh, stop the change anymore. They can stop the suns from setting. Uh, and this is such a time of upheaval of change for the entire galaxy and right. everyone hafting having to adapt. So I like that as a story of change for the whole galaxy and individuals. And in this episode in particular, we saw, I think, the the people coded as the good guys uh, trying to find ways to adapt, right? Yeah. Bad Batch is adapting. Like, well, we don't get to be at home on Camino anymore, but let's make the ship feel like home. Let's make Omega feel like uh, that she's truly a part of us. Um, uh, Omega trying to step up and... In, in, be a fighter in the field and figure out how that works. Uh, even Saw Gerrera's fighters and, and refugees are 
adapting. They're responding to what's going on and they're changing. They're finding, they're trying to find new home and they're redirecting their, their purpose and all that. And then all of the people kind of uh, coded as uh, bad to maybe bad. <laughs> uh, certainly uh, the empire, I mean, you can say that the stormtrooper program is changed, but it's, it's really just like, how do we uh, implement this? thing that exists that currently exists in in the best most brutal way but then uh, the Kaminoans or Kaminoans however you choose to say it uh, are actively resisting change right they're like there's no way there's no thought of like well uh, we can diversify our business or find another client like no <laughs> we have to keep things the way they are and we will do anything to anyone I felt that scene implied yeah uh, at the end we can talk more about that uh that but there was a real like no th- this is our business this is the model this is the client we'll produce a different kind of clone so we can keep things the way they are uh crosshair you know it, it might not be his uh responsibility mm. uh but he is really you know going through the motions resisting change it's just more missions yeah. and he's going on them yeah uh, gr- great stuff and and ominous stuff with the uh the uh, Kevin Owens for me like it, it, on the second viewing the first viewing uh, I'm like, oh, they're they're having they're going to undercut the empire, and that might be their undoing. Uh, we we don't have uh, we we're wishing for for the best for Camino. <laughs> it might be it might be dark times ahead. But then at the end, and especially on my second viewing, you're you're right. I'm I'm willing to see where uh, Lama Sue and the team can go. But it's it's there's a very ominous nature to things you're talking about. Like it's less about oh the empire seems to be doing bad, but what what can we do to make more really highly trained killer clones? Oh yeah, there, there. I would say would be zero uh, examination of the moral impact. Yeah. It was just uh, this is our business. Yep. We've always printed envelopes, and we're going to continue <laughs> to print envelopes somehow. Like it was just, yeah. it's business. This is the phone book company. We're going to keep printing. <laughs> Do people not need phone books anymore? We will find a way for them to need phone books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only other big thing for me we already talked about is I feel like this uh, show is going to uh, continue to tell us the long-awaited clones versus stormtroopers story in mm-hmm. its entirety. And I'm so excited for that. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for it. Uh, I just, it's, it finally get this. And we, we always talk about that transition period. We joke about it with the, suddenly the uniforms, the new ships and everything, but to actually see it work to see Tarkin front and center. And as he kind of passes the baton to Rampart, which I, I, I think you're right, will be kind of maybe the, the, the main kind of big bad, uh, behind a lot of things here. Um, I'm really intrigued by that just to get some answers and see where it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts before we take a quick break? No, that is some big themes, big, big themes here. Easy, easy forgiveness. It's so easy. You just got <laughs> ton of great ideas, uh, but also a ton of great details. And we will be back in just a moment to dive into all those details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of Bad Batch Episode 3, uh, Replacements. I almost said The Replacements. That's a band. 
Anyway, let's talk about some of our favorite moments, Ken. Uh, we yeah. always start with action moments. Did you have some favorite action moments in this pretty dark episode? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know the Mats are like one of my favorite bands from Minnesota, too. So I, I got really excited. I was like, finally, a documentary on Paul Westerberg and Star Wars. But no, not to <laughs> me, not to me. Uh, so interesting. I, I wrote down this. Um, since most of the action was brutal, it was very hard for me to list. <laughs> and, and normally I like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm a Star Wars fan. Pew, pew, pew. I can separate the, the impact and just the fun of it all. But yeah, there was um, some great shooting, some great fighting. But man, it was dark and uh, very powerful. So I, I, especially on my second viewing where, where I usually make notes on this particular section, I was like, man, I, I, I don't want to accidentally celebrate it in any way. <laughs> Right. Uh, I will celebrate how well the story of horror was told, right? Yes. It, yes. And it is a distinction because uh, a part of the reason we have this uh, this segment of favorite action moment is because a uh, part of Star Wars is the whiz-bang fun. And a lot of times when we discuss an episode of Clone Wars, it's like, oh, look at that cool thing Obi-Wan did with his lightsaber. And it is about a celebration of the the fun and the spectacle and the thrill of the action. Totally. And that was not the intent of the creators. <laughs> no. This episode. This was not supposed to be uh, thrilling or fist-pumping. This was supposed to be horrifying and it was extremely effective and successful at it yeah i mean yeah yeah absolutely uh shout out to the to the team putting this together because uh it, it was one of just that i told you that that shot of just seeing those uh the four refugees uh left it was really effective it was you, you know it was it was execution squad style and it uh you don't see that a lot in Star Wars. There might be other examples here and there, but it was one of the ones that was most front and center for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, a little bit of the vibe from from Force Awakens when we just see the troopers uh, firing on yep. on the village. Yep. Um, but yeah, but even more horrible because the way it was set up. Um, so within the horror, within fully acknowledging that we are not celebrating it like cool action moment, uh, there are some moments that I thought were effective and I enjoyed right. uh, from that perspective. The The pseudo imperial stormtrooper uh mm -hmm. proto imperial stormtrooper flame trooper yeah that was you know that was great to see the uh the flame troopers of all eras coming together <laughs> and extra extra horrible right that yeah that image of the there's civilians and the, there's the flame trooper flaming away yeah um the other shot that i thought was particularly effective um was there was the uh person who was shot in the back uh by the uh Imperials, if and then their their rocket goes off and shoots off, and it illuminates this sort of weird uh, temple-like structure. Mm. So that little sequence I thought was great because it was the look at the person's running away from you, shooting in the back, extra brutal. Uh, the rocket goes off was this sort of like look just unintended consequences of uh, you know violence upon violence, and then the fact that like it illuminates this old temple-like structure, it's just kind of great classic star wars visuals but for me it really emphasized like look this is a place of history and mm -hmm. maybe that temple-like structure at some place used to be a place of of reverence and now there's just this horrible uh violence going on around here i thought that was a really effective sequence that's good it's, it's a great pull the dark cloud of the empire truly uh stomping over the galaxy now yeah uh any other uh action moments for you Outside of that horror fest. Yeah, no, and a very effective one for sure. Uh, I, I put this, Omega picking up the blaster and going forward was its own kind of real positive, you know, belonging, acceptance, purpose, 
strength, bravery, uh, action. It was uh, a good moment for me, and and even better, she she uh, you know solves the problem in a different way. But it was a, it was a, you know, the music swells. It's a, it's a hero moment in in, in its in its way, and I, I really like that. It's you know similar to other action moments we've talked about and even the clone wars that aren't giant big 3po planning a parties its own kind of action this was its own kind of action to me yeah it's a good fist pumping moment for sure um in terms of action uh just kind of shots the way things were constructed i really liked the shot when uh when hunter was getting closer to the the opening to the tunnel that led to the order moon dragon's uh home and we'd only seen the quick uh, horror movie glimpses, mm. and then those big claws just grabbing the opening of the tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that shot of the claws coming up first was so great. Then the face roaring, and then I liked how it was like it was too fast for Hunter to do anything about it. It was just on him. Yeah, but yeah, that but- specific shot of like here comes the monster was really great. <laughs> it comes. By the way, this is similar to uh, co-owning a Chihuahua that likes mommy more than you. Uh, it explodes fast. It explodes fast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Last thing I put down for an action moment, which is maybe stretching it, uh, but Wrecker hitting his head was really effective. I could feel that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the way it was done with the the shaking and the in the crack, and I think the fact that they have uh, set him up to be uh, really strong to be like, oh, if that hurt his head, that was really bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I've been battling uh, a little bit of a minor sickness this week, and so I got a little bit of aches. And so when I see that stuff, when I feel sick, I feel extra. There's one little bed, which is what I did most yesterday. So, yes, sorry, Wrecker, I feel you. Yeah, strap in, strap in your bed. Uh, So let's talk about moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Did you have some favorites here? Yeah, I guess I just have to admit this. I, I guess I'm just a big fan of gonk droid humor. I just Gonky, which I believe is the, the official name of this droid now. Uh, in the Star Wars uh, dot com databank, yes, uh, Gonky. Gonky. Um I just love uh, Omega kind of using him as a pillow and uh and uh, I'm glad we got a gonk droid for the ride. Absolutely great. And a treat of the subtitles is when they're crashing and the gonk droid gonky is sliding, the subtitles say droid honking. <laughs> <laughs> uh I I trust you got a good freeze frame of that. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh which is like uh honking. That's great. It, it, technically, yes, but is it is it gonking or is it making a different kind of noise in this moment of uh of terror? I I love that there's a, a person putting together the closed captions that just I heard honking. It's honking. I heard honking. I don't care if it's called a gonk droid, it's honking now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, excellent excellent choice gonky in general mm-hmm. uh, other moments for you uh i love uh, after the end of the crash of the crash landing when omega says is it over which is just kind of all of us the last year or so <laughs> is it yeah. over big question mark on that sentence but we we're hoping yeah yeah can we have cocktails indoors yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, Tech was a, a, a standout yet again, yes. uh, quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. I really liked at the beginning uh, when they are beginning to crash land and Tech is trying to say, like, the, the critical systems are all fine. And Hunter says, yeah, getting thrown out of hyperspace seems pretty critical to me. <laughs> and then Tech says, it's not affecting life support. We're fine. <laughs> uh, it's extremely effective. Yeah, the big book of tech is is uh, the companion piece we need out of this. I enjoyed the echo uh, moment. What was that tech? I'm a little busy at the moment. Which is 
Yep. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Um, and then the the wrecker, it was a big uh, swing joke, but it really worked for me of the we're going to die, we're going to die, then looking <laughs> over at the child, we're going to be fine, we're going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes those jokes are like, yep, yep, that's, yep. that's really a clear joke. But I think, uh, again, it's kind of clear, simple jokes work for me better when there is a little bit of darkness, which ties them to yep. reality. And the fact that wrecker is used to just honestly behaving like a big baby because mm-hmm. <laughs> you got the vibe that he says this all the time that anytime there's yeah. a problem he's like oh we're gonna die <laughs> and the sudden realization that he can't be a big baby anymore uh made it funny to me yeah is, is, is he it's uh like what's his name an alien game over man game over <laughs> exactly <laughs> so that one uh really worked for me uh anything else for you um i uh um wrote down what, what was it here oh another tech line uh just looking at the uh scratches on the ship well those weren't there when we landed just just book a tech man book a tech is funny. <laughs> uh the other tech line that i wrote down is in, i don't think it was really meant to be a comedy line necessarily uh, just a character an accurate character line but it amused me is they're discussing what's going on with the creature and he is looking at like little data screen on his wrist that he's constantly checking in on his little uh, wrist internet there yeah. uh, and says, uh, the creature is most likely an Ordo moon dragon. And it, it was like this great meta moment of like, oh, tech is on the starwars.com databank. <laughs> tech is on Wikipedia. <laughs> tech, tech is us looking for answers before you start a podcast. It re- it really felt that way. I don't. I'm not saying that I, the writers did it as a is a meta joke or anything yeah. like that. But it, it feels like if tech could do this all the time, if tech could be like just anything that comes up of like ah yes, uh, Fennec Shand. Here's all the information that we know about her in canon up to this point. You know, and just read it out. Yeah. Just read it out, tech. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's, we're about three for three on episodes now of tech going. Uh, this is Sagarera. You might remember him from per- appearances in. Was Rebels episode uh, in this episode he's voiced by <laughs> yeah absolutely great uh, another line for me that is uh, not intended as a comedy line but I put this under whimsy because I know you you and I are both enjoying it it's uh, Tarkin's line uh, the clone trooper program is a cost prohibitive relic of the past but until the time is right it will continue to serve a purpose yeah and it is this great picture of, of Tarkin still feels like a you know, a, a mythic villain from a fable, yeah. but his role within this fable is to be like the evil board member of a cruel corporation, you know, <laughs> where the, to, to use a phrase like cost prohibitive, you know, yeah. that that's his only concern here is, is great character building. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's what I know. It's what the Rogue One stuff with him and Credit is still some of my favorite because it's, it's a battle of middle management and <laughs> it really, hits home for a lot of us and and uh, Tarkin being on the upper tier of that uh, top tier management and just uh, hearing some of these logistics and, and the evilness behind it it's it's been its own kind of whimsy and comedy inside the uh, inside the darkness yeah and I think for me it is just it is a part of the of the Star Wars tradition the Star Wars story that you know efficiency and uh, turning a profit there's nothing inherently wrong with those things mm-hmm. but when Greed becomes a big part of it. Greed, such a huge theme to to Lucas that he talks about a lot in interviews. It just it has the shadows of that of Tarkin just being, uh, you know, he hasn't he didn't have a tragic moment where he fell to the dark side. It's not a cosmic thing. He is a cruel person who believes in order 
and his supremacy at all costs. <laughs> but he wants to keep those costs down, if at all possible. If at all possible. Yeah, no, the the, the story of Tarkin, I mean, you, the Lucino book is uh, worth a reread or, or a re, uh, just kind of a scanter. It, it, it's the, the building blocks of Tarkin and and, and uh, competition, you know, the you win or you die type of uh, mentality and how it all flows into, like I mentioned up top, of just uh, him dying on that Death Star. It all builds towards that. Uh, I, love, uh, I love what they're doing with the Tarkin stuff. Absolutely. I, I did feel a little bit of a, of a pang that it felt like maybe he is uh, taking a step uh, yeah. back now and it's going to be Rampart's show. Yeah, I, he is. I'm looking forward to more with Rampart. But yeah, you get that feeling. And, uh, you know, obviously Steve Stanton does a great job with that Tarkin character, that voice. But I love a good Tarkin. Just he'll just, uh, you know, mosey on by when he needs to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's dive into then, unless you have any more uh, canon lore connections to other stories. Quick one, just a great music. Oh yeah, it's whimsy. It, you know, it's it's magical. Great music cue on Omega, kind of using the flashlight in the in the uh, dragon's home. Just a uh, great job on uh, uh, Kevin Kiner, which is you know you, you could take it for granted how, how good he is on these uh, shows. But yeah, I, I really was affected by that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in general, creating a, a great uh, and different tone that is matching. I think this sort of uh, a darker world that still has some hope in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that I, I, yes, I like. I always, I love uh, looking at Yoda's theme as the sounds of enlightenment. That had that kind of connection. But I think I even like what you said there more of just like hope in a dark place. It really, really did a good job. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, all right, let's move on then to canon and lore connections to other stories. I just want to start with I think one of the big ones because I think it's something that people have been waiting for. Uh, since 2016, which is uh, something from that Rogue One list of projects that uh, Jin rattles off, uh, finally getting getting featured. Project War Mantle. Um, how how did you feel hearing that, and what did you take it uh, to actually be? Um, what did I take it to be? That's a great question because definitely. Um want to hear more it, it it i don't know what do you, i uh, you you caught me for a loop there I, I don't think i was really picking picking that one out there i think is is it just getting the uh, stormtroopers in cooler armor <laughs> yeah it, it sounded like he the i took it that war mantle is specifically this project where they would get uh recruits uh or volunteers from uh, across the galaxy who are already you know trained in some way right uh who are already kind of elite troopers uh but then pair them with uh, clone commanders and those would be little units of they'd be led by these experienced clones but they'd be these elite um you know human uh, non-cloned troops yeah uh, that I seemed to me what it was saying but it felt like that there was also room for maybe there is more to the war mantle project it could just be that the visors are green <laughs> <laughs> and switching out all the visors to green. No, I, I'm with you on that one there. Now that I, I stop and think about that one. Um, it, you know, I, I, what I should do, because I, I missed that. I got to tell you, I missed that. I should just go to Rogue One, write down all the projects, and just see where they pop up again. Well, uh, I have the list right in front of me from my book of uh, studying for trivia. And I think that's a part of it for me. I, I would not have necessarily recognized it. It would have maybe been like, oh, uh but I think it's because I have at various points for Star Wars trivia uh, memorized those Imperial plans. They've I've been waiting for it to pop up is one of the questions uh, on yeah. Schmodown in particular of please name three other projects that were listed, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so it was really fun uh, to finally hear them. And over the years, uh, we and I'm sure 
uh, many other Star Wars podcasters have gotten that question of when are we going to hear more? We just got a yeah. question a little while back about Black Saber. What is that project? So right. it was really great to just uh, finally pick up on that breadcrumb. That's great. Good, good pull. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited to see if it is as simple as what Rampart presented in this episode, which was pairing uh, volunteer uh, trooper recruits with clones, or if there's more to Project War Mando. Okay. Um, I did want to highlight also, Ken, the this line that we already talked about, but this uh, trooper, ES-01, mm-hmm. uh, saying, with the Empire, I get paid, I get fed, and I have a roof over my head. More yeah. than the Republic ever did for me. Did, how did you take that? Did you take that as somebody who was in the Republic but resented them? Or did it cross your mind that this was a separatist? Um, ooh, that's a good point. I didn't I didn't go with that. Um, but I did I made a note of this of just this is another moment to to toss into that debate of eh, they're all the same, and how Star Wars is maybe fighting against that, that kind of conversation that you and I have been talking about of um at a certain point point i can see what y'all mean but really light dark make a choice um and and you have choices along the way palpatine's tracking that all that kind of stuff i took it as that but also that does make sense just on a great kind of plotty logistical standpoint of you know if you had a negative view of the republic uh and and we're on the outside and who knows you know it, it would make sense they'd be pulling from the separatists so yeah ooh, yeah i like that one yeah, yeah, maybe not. That's just a, that's a there was a wild thing, but I thought that was a really intriguing uh, line and intriguing perspective. Not just the like um, kind of real world of like, look, I, I I signed up because I need these things, and the army provides them. Right, uh, that's that's a real thing that can yeah. happen. Um, but then in the world of Star Wars, the mm-hmm. this resentment towards the Republic, that more than the Republic ever did for me, it is yeah. it's following. It feels like this individual. Yeah. fell for what the empire is saying the kind of the the trains are going to run on timeline lie well, of like yeah we're going to limit your your uh freedoms a little bit uh but everything's going to be so smooth and perfect now yeah i'm, I'm gonna get i'll get real 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 world and deep uh so my grandfather who passed away two years ago uh circassian were russian uh essentially though not technically russian which is part of the problems uh he fought in world war ii <laughs> he was captured uh his fellow russian Soldiers beat him up in prison. He beat them up, and therefore, uh, my grandfather was press ganged into the Nazi army, and had no choice but to fight. And when, when first chance, two years in, I think he 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 escaped in a battle, um, and was taken in by Allied uh, forces, uh, and then uh, could not return to the Soviet Union at the end of the war. That's why uh, my father was born on the way to America. Little life story in the Napsok family. When talking about it, Joseph, uh, and talking about his experience there, other than just kind of the overall general horrors of war, he said it was the best thing. Again, he, he would, he, at gunpoint, was forced to join, to be clear. A little bit more to that story. But he said they treated the, the us so well in that Nazi army. It was a life of luxury compared to what I had been in, um, where I didn't, I had to fight for my own boots in the, in the Russian army and mm. didn't have the supplies. It felt like a life of luxury. And that hit me in this episode a bit uh, to get deep and to get real. Um, and you know, um, it, it just kind of that lie. That's why that debate of, eh, they're all the same or the trappings of, yeah, yeah. You know, I understand where the stormtrooper might be coming from, you know, Hey, what if he was a separatist or was here? Uh, yeah. But then it, it's a slippery slope. Um, and thankful to say my, my, you know, about, about two years in, I was a, a battle. He, he fled and, uh, um, 
and thankful for it because that's why I'm here and that's why uh, they came over to America. Uh, but yeah, so interesting story. It, it did hit deep. Uh, it, it was a, it's a it's a powerful discussion point. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful story. And I think for me, my mind goes to ooh, even the possibility of separatists because I'm hungry oh. to have more storytelling of of people who are just, you know, people, not, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, droid generals or Sith Lords. Uh, but the the people's like, yeah, I've been against the Republic for a long time. And now the Republic is gone and it's this better government. Great. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah. So I'm interested in it. Uh, but uh, what I love about you telling this incredible and powerful story about your grandfather is that constant reminder that Star Wars is a huge galaxy mm-hmm. and there's room for tons of complexity. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So even though I'm intrigued by separatists, you know, it's not like, hey, the entire galaxy is separatist or they were with the Republic. And the idea that this could have been somebody who, uh, yeah, he lived on a Republic world, but there's infighting in his world. And the Republic favored the people that, uh, you know, the civil war on his planet favored the people on his side. Like you're talking about, mm-hmm. y- you know, your grandfather going through that. of Like, I'm in the Russian army, but there's other Russians who don't like me because blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, it yeah. uh it's a great reminder that Star Wars is capable of that complexity too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a, it, it, a great discussion going forward is this big switch in the Republic of Separatists and all the one. And, you know, Cassie and Andor's family may, coming from Separatists. So there's this big, wonderful, like you said, complex conversations to have from this little funny space war. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just kind of stripping away the labels and, and judging the various groups by their actual actions and intentions. Yeah. Like what happens to this poor guy? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, I got a couple more here on the canon and lore, but I want to bat it to you to see if you have any that you wanted to be sure to discuss. Yeah, yeah. There was a little moment of the hyperspace going red, right right when the things go wrong and they're pulled out. And that's something that keeps showing up, uh, you know, in High Republic and other areas of uh, Star Wars, where it's just something you didn't think about as a kid. It's blue. And then when right, it turns red right before problems happen. (laughs) And it's just always like (laughs) a little detail popping up now. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah. uh, other things that you wanted to highlight? Uh, just the Order of Moon Dragon, which we can talk about more of you if you want to. But I, it's to me yet another Star Wars creature that loves eating metal, like we said up top. And just the tradition of uh, Minox, a lot of stuff in Clone Wars are just, uh, you know, uh, you know, hell, even the Purgles just being able to jump through hyperspace. It's just very organic doing something that we might think is normally mechanical. And I just order a Moon Dragon wanting some energy. Just come on. Just want an energy bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just an energy bar. <laughs> Yeah, it's even shaped like your rations. Come on, be <laughs> yeah. be understandable. Come on. Uh, yeah, so Ordo Moondragon, uh, thank you, uh, Tech, for, for reading it. So, <laughs> Wikipedia entry. Um, I looked it up. Uh, Ordo Moondragon, the uh, new Ordo itself, uh, it's a Mandalorian world uh, located within the galaxy, says Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> looks like there is uh, that book that, that was written by Pablo Hidalgo, Scum and Villainy, Case Files, and the Galaxy's Most Notorious. Uh, there was a, a little bit of a Dryden Voss story having to do with Ordo, mm-hmm. and Ordo is mentioned back in the old Knights of uh, the Old Republic video game. But the moon, since that's all the planet Ordo, uh, the moon appears to be its own thing, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is cool. A mm-hmm. um, couple other things uh, for me. Um, the uh, it's always just fun to see the ration bars and to just see like oh those got established in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I always think of those as the uh, Dagobah ration bars uh, and feel they should sell these at Galaxy's Edge. Uh, it's great to yes. see. Them. 
a, a small thing is, uh, you know, the plot. Uh, last week, the ship uh, took off from Slukamai and got peppered with uh, blaster bolts, yeah. which we've seen many a time in Star Wars. And it was fun to know, like, yeah, you know, that can actually hurt a ship. Like, all the times that we've seen people shoot ships as they take off, like, every once in a while, it's actually going to work. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. a pretty great twist on canon. Love that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and then the last big one I wanted to talk about is what's going on with the Kaminoans, right? Mm-hmm. Do we get a yeah. good old name check of uh, of Jango Fett that his sample is degrading? That's something that had been established, so it's great that they picked up on that. Um, and that they want to, to keep their contract with this new empire, develop a superior clone, uh, the next step. And they need only one of the enhanced clones to create this new superior clone. So it's a great uh, canon moment connecting all that, moving us into the future. But how did you take all of that? Uh, Why do you think they need just one enhanced clone? Uh, Why not Crosshair? What are your thoughts? Um, I it's funny. I I think. Because definitely we got something bigger going on with Omega, without a doubt. We're going to find all that out as it slowly unfolds. And I thought, you know, is Omega the result of them already taking stuff from the Bad Batch, which maybe, you know, a lot of people are remarking on S.H.I.E.L.D., copycat, whatever they're doing. You know, can I learn that skill? Oh, I'll track. I'll track. And that, that's already shown up. So I went there first. And then, yeah, mm. I, I kind of thought of like, well, let's just, you could get crosshair, but then... You definitely this dangling, uh, you know, threat of, you know, ah, those ones aren't going to come back willingly. Um, So unless there's an entire another squadron, which, by the way, another squad here, Scar Squadron, Inferno Squad. Give me all the squads. I want to (laughs) rank squads later on. Um, So I have no problem with that. But, yeah, I think it it definitely has to do with the the bad batch, uh, making them the good batch, I guess. Um, But, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely took it. It was Bad Batch. It was another great sort of image that uh, told the story, but reminded you of this idea of home to see their mm-hmm. their empty <laughs> yeah. uh, mess hall table. Um, yeah, right. But I think this idea that, well, in saying that, like, well, they're not going to return willingly, but we only need one of them. Uh, I took that as, uh, you know, this is total just guessing uh, at this point. Uh, but if they feel like, well, we, Crosshair is valuable to us because he's active he's he's working mm-hmm. uh and maybe whatever process they need is gonna kill the clone right, right right or like they have to be hooked up to a machine or they're gonna chop them to bits in order to do this that this is not just like hey thanks for the dna sample uh otherwise they could just use crosshair yeah i wonder if um yeah something to the fact of two of, of them tr- don't want to use crosshair because the empire will not, and then they need it it's all secret too they want to keep their business going yeah I, I agree with you on that that crosshair for x x y and z reasons is unavailable for the project yeah that makes sense and there's definitely uh, huge questions about omega but just the way that conversation was phrased it wasn't like we need the one you know we need the girl back it seemed much more like they needed just like a Tech, Wrecker, Hunter, we don't really care. We just need one of those, uh, one of those enhanced clones. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Omega is an enhanced clone, so maybe her too. But uh, that uh, was a great scene and a great bit of canon to wonder about for the future. Yep. Uh, Was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this episode, Ken? Uh, No, other than uh, just, uh, you know, it was really affecting. So I'm I'm looking looking forward to like Wrecker's birthday party episode or something, just kind of to clear the palate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I th- nothing I disliked or questioned. The only thing that I was like antsy for, I feel like uh, if Tech 
took the time to ask Omega a lot of direct questions. Yes. <laughs> I feel like she knows more about the inhibitor chip and more about more about what's going on mm-hmm. on Camino in the possibility of what this next uh next uh, iteration of clones that the uh, Camino ones are talking about. I feel like she maybe knows cuz every time that the Bad Batch is kind of talking about something, she says something, she pipes up and says something very clear and, you know, very direct. Yeah. And I feel like uh, there's almost this comedy coming where Tex like uh, you know, does a bunch of uh, of reporting, and she's like, "Oh yeah, no, let me spill it all out for you, because I know." <laughs> just ask, just ask, yeah, just ask, Tech. Uh, it, which they already played that joke, but it feels yeah. like there's more there. Totally. Uh, what are your hopes for the next episode or two, Ken? Uh, you know, now you got me. I'll tell you what, you got me thinking of it. If Ordo has anything to do with Dryden Voss, they're leaving that moon. We don't know how far they got. I don't know. Maybe they get trapped. Maybe Dryden Voss is like, "Hey, I need some help," and maybe that that begins. Uh, maybe some Fennec Shand interactions or something like that. I, I do like the idea of them not finding purpose in the criminal underworld, but needing to survive and needing to survive underneath the radar screen and what that means. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, like I said up top, I love the serialized nature. I love the slow burn. I'm also excited to, to get some, some uh, like the, a big thing. If it's truly 16 episode season, episode four, give me uh, give me something big to, to spurn the, uh, you know, action in the next few episodes. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, very similar things. I'm I'm very curious to get to Fennec Shan since uh, she's been teased. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's some been some great discussion uh, around Omega of you know if if she is uh, unaltered, in which is just a possibility, not anything verified anyway. Like, does she have any sort of um, possibility of connection to Boba Fett, even just emotionally, you know, yeah. down the road. And the fact that we do have Fennec Shand in this show and Fennec Shand is going to be in the the book of Boba Fett. I almost said the big book of Boba <laughs> Fett. That's a coffee table uh, book. Uh, that there is, I am intrigued, not in a like clickbaity, here's how they all connect, here are the secrets, yeah, yeah. but like, what is the emotional connection between these people? What is the possibility right now for uh, interesting emotional and thematic connections between this moment of the beginning of the empire and that book of Boba Fett uh, mm-hmm. story, which is, you know, after the fall of the empire. Oh, I like that. That's tasty. Yeah. So curious to get to that. And then I feel like maybe the next couple episodes of, of this for the bad batch themselves might have a little bit of that Mandalorian vibe of like, we're just trying to keep uh, yeah. everything moving forward. Like if their ship needs uh, repairs or they need uh, money or they need fake chain codes. I feel like they're going to kind of need, kind of have a couple more missions to be like, these are just our basics we need to function. If that's going to be, they take a job with Fennec Shand or uh, that kind of thing. But I do hope within the next couple episodes, because the Bad Batch is used to having missions, and because this uh, We Left Crosshair Behind thing is is going on, um, I feel like it... uh, it should be moving toward them eventually going, we have a mission, it's get Crosshair. Yeah, I really liked it. Almost like this uh, double mission, like Crosshair and his squad are hunting them down and they're trying to hunt Crosshair down to save them. And and then the you know, Camonians are in the middle of it trying to capture one of them to get their business going. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned this as well, but I do, I'm really enjoying the, uh, what is Omega's deal? But in this mm-hmm. particular episode, I think really uh, sharpened and focused to what is uh, her enhanced ability in specific. Right. Um, and the, the mirroring is really interesting because I did like those moments in the pilot where she did literally mirror Hunter 
mm-hmm. a couple times in it. I felt like it was just like trying to learn from him, you know, or being, yeah. you know, interested to, to see, oh, is this what you behave like? But I'd be very interested to see uh, what the enhanced ability is and excited for that in future episodes. Yeah. Is there anything that we have not talked about, Ken, that you wanted to touch on in this episode of Bad Batch? Uh, we ended up, I, I put a note here about the, the Lama Sue, uh, What's What's the deal with Lama Sue? But we hit on it a lot. But I, that's another thing I'm looking forward to, just seeing it slowly develop uh, uh, what's going on there. And and the fate of Camino. Again, we joke, but uh, we, don't have, we don't have high hopes for the fate of Camino. Oh, yeah. No, it's. It, I think it's not going to go well, but exactly how it's not going to go well is yeah. really, really intriguing. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if uh, if the story had been, you know, we all expected the Imperial uh, Imperial shut them down, uh, but maybe <laughs> maybe the Bad Batch without, you know, hurting mm-hmm. any of the clones uh, <laughs> shuts the operation down. Shut it down. Yeah, that would be that would be a twist. Uh, the only thing that I wanted to mention is I love that vibe at the beginning when Omega is just you know being a kid, uh, leaning back on the gonk droid like kids do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it made me want to know what is she reading or watching on her data pad? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it really had a kid vibe of like what, what you know I'm I'm watching my shows or I'm reading a comic book or I'm totally. you know I'm playing Candy Crush or whatever. <laughs> Fruit Ninja. What is she playing on? I think she's watching uh, TikToks of uh, Lulilo Primak singing. Just some good old-fashioned entertainment. <laughs> Lulilo Primak TikToks. Say that ten times fast. All right, Ken. Our final question, always on the Bad Batch Report, is if you could have an action figure or any toy inspired by this episode, what would you want? Well, you just touched upon it. I want a gonk droid pillow with movable legs. So it's soft. It's maybe a plush. It's a pillow, but the legs are maybe a hard plastic, and they just when you lay on it, the legs start to kick. Beautiful, perfect. Yes, uh, please uh, send them to our homes right now. We want them. <laughs> uh, I was inspired by the uh, Ordo Moon Dragon um, when I was a kid. I had this really weird toy that was a, a goat that could eat. Uh, it came with like all this little plastic food. And what you did was it, it had a jaw and you pumped its tail and, and it uh, mm-hmm. it masticated. The mouth went up and down <laughs> and you could feed like a, a trail of wieners yeah. <laughs> into the goat by pumping the tail. And then you could, uh, not anatomically accurate uh, to how eating works, yeah. open the goat's stomach and take your hot dogs back out. <laughs> and I want an Ordo Moon Dragon with that kind of eating action. You can just uh, feed it, you know, the capacitors. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, gosh. There's a lot. I want that. That's a lot going on. (laughs) Pump the tail. Make the Ordo Moon Dragon eat, you know, for kids. Hours of fun uh, while you are reclining on your gonk droid walking pillow. All right. That is our big look at Chapter 3, Episode 3, Replacements of the Bad Batch Report. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I would love to. We are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. You can find us on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. You can get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. You can follow me on Twitter at Ken Knapsack or go to my website, KenNapsack.com for more. And Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on the old internet on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And if you want to catch up on all my other comedy adventures, you can find them all on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, uh, for Ken, for Gonky the Gonk Droid, this has been the Bad Batch Report. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.